always wanted to be that person that stood back there behind the keyboard. But it'd have to be somebody else playing it. But I want to look like I'm playing it. <clears throat> you never thought it just to look cool. It looks like something that looks cool, you know. None of y'all want to do that? Oh, yeah. yeah, you want to be the one. You know what? But I would, you know, I love the way Julia plays and all that, but I would want to be really slinging around and acting like I. You play the drums like that. Well, sort of. I play Adam. I don't know if I really play the drums. I play Adam. <clears throat> It's really good to see you today. Uh, I've been on this tangent of just praise Jesus, no matter what. The first thing you do in the morning is you get up and you say, that was weak, but we'll try it again. You know, it's better than saying hot dang, or son of a gun, or shucks. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Uh, you, I want you to fill in. I ain't really saying shucks, but I'm in church, and I don't talk like that anyway, so you know what I'm talking about. We don't get God's attention by saying those things. We pretty much put a void in between us and him when we do that. So why not, even in the midst of things you don't understand, why not get his intervention by praising him? And I mean, it's kind of like sometimes when uh, I make a mistake around the house, which is usually quite often because my wife never does. <clears throat> every man ought to say amen. There ought to be every man in here. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm trying to get you some points. Whether they do or not, you say amen anyway. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, whether I feel like saying I'm sorry or not, sometimes I say it. And I tell her I don't really mean it. But I know I'll... Well, I'm not going to lie. I tell her I'm, I'm going to say I'm sorry. I know I was wrong, but my flesh doesn't agree with me. But I have to get away from it and say I was wrong. And I'm sorry. And eventually which many of us wait until we feel before we ever speak the truth. You have to feel the truth, you think, for it to be the truth. Can I help some of you today? That's a lie to hell. The truth is the truth whether you believe it or not and whether you feel it or not. So in the morning, sometimes when I get up, now I'm a morning person. My wife is not, bless her heart. But I get up, the first thing I do is say, praise Jesus. I mean, I've been saying it in the middle of the day, and no matter what, just praise Jesus. Just pra I want to get his attention. If I can get his attention, I might be able to see the path he's leading me in. Instead of floundering around telling everybody what I'm thinking, I think I know what God wants. I feel like God. doesn't matter. All of those things are, I guess, valuable to our flesh, but just praise Jesus. Let's open up the door so we can get through it. And as we're going through it, we're going to praise him all the way in it. He's going to take us places we never thought we could go if we could just praise him a little bit. He says he inhabits, in the book of Psalms, he inhabits the praise of his people. That doesn't mean, I know things are going really good. The other day I was at a renewal thing for my brother, last weekend maybe, I can't remember that far back, but I think it's last week and I was going to turn around somewhere and you won't believe it, but my car jumped out and hit a boat trailer. That's, that car is so rebellious. <laughs> Am I the only one that understands what I... Y'all know what I'm talking about. That car is so rebellious, I started to get out and kick it. And I wished I wanted to tell you I would have said praise Jesus, but I hadn't got into that mode yet. I just went, I can't believe it. Yeah. I take it up to the car place, and he's going to say it's probably going to be over $2,000 to fix it. And I'm telling you what, I was going 0.2 miles an hour. Cars nowadays, if you look at them, they dent. 
Don't even get mad and look at your car. It'll crumple. No, it will. It'll already start to submit. Look at it. Don't submit. Stay up. God, what is that? But I have good news. Really, truthfully, I went back to the guy and he fixed it in less time than he said it's going to take to fix it. And it only cost $940. So I'm telling you, I praise God. Not for that. I mean, a car is a car. I just thought, what makes you mad when you do something like that is that, why did I do that? There was no pressure. You understand? They were just turning around, and for some reason, my car decided to do it on its own. Yeah. Y'all believe that? I'll sell you some oceanfront property in Arizona. <laughs> I don't know why I did. I really don't. I, I blamed it on my boot getting stuck in between the brake and the foot feet. Because when I hit the trailer, it didn't stop. I just kind of kept going into it like, okay, dude. I mean, what are you doing? I look down at my foot, and I, what is wrong with you? God dang. I mean, my foot is messed up. Really, it's my foot that tore up the car. I ain't cutting it off. I can tell you that. <laughs> Better get this life straightened up here. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> yeah. Against all odds, this is my, I did, I did a, a appearance, I did reason, and there's one more lesson on it next week. But against all odds, most of us face odds all the time of whether we're going to, and I think in America, it's all about being successful. My ideal is about being uh, productive in the kingdom of God, really and truthfully. Against all odds, we're not, we're not playing, in most of your minds and mine, a lot of times, we're not play, uh, playing with uh, the odds for us because we have decided and we take on too much thought of the world that the odds are so far against us that really what chance do we have? Why don't we just comply like everybody else? And that's why I've been, I really think God has been showing me, no matter what, praise him. No matter what, praise him. I wish I could tell you when I had open heart surgery uh, 10 years ago that I said, I'm just going to praise him. I did after a little while, but it took me a while because I was so angry because before you ever have a surgery like that, you think you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof, and that's not true. So God has a way of humbling you to let, let you know that he's in charge of you being here. He really is, no matter what. And you better praise him no matter what. So I'm learning just, to, and you say, well, how long have you been a Christian? You're starting to pray. No, I've praised him on and off. You know how we do. You know, I read my Bible every day. I pray. I do everything that you think pastors are supposed to do. I'm far from perfect, so let's don't even get into that as far as never making a mistake. I mean, I did, my foot did run into the boat trailer or whatever. <laughs> I make far more mistakes than that, I assure you. But the point I'm trying to make is we need to learn to get a grasp on if we're going to beat the odds of what people are saying about us, are we going to beat the odds of our feelings? Are we going to beat the odds of our emotions? Are we going to beat the odds of our genetic history? Are we going to beat the odds of the generational curses that are against us? If we're just going to beat the odds of the world that says you're not going to be a person that anybody would ever think could build the kingdom of God, you must go ahead and decide to praise Jesus. Even, you know, I'm not sitting there going, well, you hear somebody praise Jesus a lot of times, it kind of gives you a sick feeling. You know, you see people on TV that sometimes they praise God or praise Jesus. Or they don't usually say Jesus. They usually say just praise God if they're going to do anything. But it kind of gives you a sick feeling because most of the time, a lot of times we know their lives are not indicative of that word or what they're saying. And we really want them to be that way. We want somebody to say praise Jesus and really mean it because that's what they really stand for. Amen? And it's not us that stands for them. It's him that's standing in us that make us do that. That's why, and when it does happen, it has an impact and an influence. 
The enemy wants you to think, this is the conclusion for me and my, my message, messages in this series. The enemy wants you to think you are incapable of changing your situation. He does. You just got to live with it. There's a lady back here that just had a new knee put in, Rebecca Griggs. And when Don Babin was here, she got prayed for, and ever since then, her whole countenance has changed. I mean, God used Don Babin to agree in the spirit with her and everybody else in this church. And since then, she went through a, a knee, and normally, and she's been through a lot of difficult surgeries, but I'm telling you, usually when she comes out, she just has a look on her face like, why even hope? I mean, I went to see her in the hospital, and it was like, I don't even know what happened. I'm doing great. I mean, just really doing spectacular. It's all about the perspective you have of praising Jesus in, all, in and all four things. The enemy wants you to always think is you're, it's incapable. You're incapable. And it will take you allowing the grace of God to manifest in you for this to happen. It's true enough when the enemy says some things to you about, well, it's impossible for you to change, or it's impossible for you to change your situation. That's true enough. But if I'm a believer, it's the grace in me that's going to change. And it's the grace in me that gives me a different perspective because you know how it is. I hate to use this example, but I'm going to, so you kids, I'm not trying to glorify smoking dope, but I did for years before I got saved. And what it does is, it, all it does, in my opinion, is change your perspective. Right. Sad as it is, that's all it did for me. Right. I mean, it just puts you in, well, that's not so bad. Really, it just said, I don't care. Yeah. Come on, somebody, now, can I just tell the truth? I don't care. See, no, there's not another pastor going to talk to you like this and tell you, uh, I'm not bragging about it. I wished I'd have never smoked. I wished I'd have never drank. I wished I'd, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'd embarrass myself to, full, to fill the list completely. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that Jesus doesn't do that. He just makes sense of it. He just puts it in a perspective that you're not going. Well, the devil says it's unchangeable. That's true enough. But I'm a son of God, a son, not the son. So as a, a son of God, I now have a different perspective in my thinking, in my reasoning. I don't try to reason. Why? Because the truth doesn't reason. The truth reveals. Are you getting this? That was free. I don't even have that written down. Grace. We know you cannot earn it. It's a gift. Isn't that right? The grace, and I did messages on it years ago. In this building, I mean, I spoke on grace for months, and you, we all know what it is. Ephesians 2, 8, for it is by God's grace. Go ahead. I, I read for you. Start all over. My fault. Now, here we go. Get that scripture. You can't even boast about it. Praise Jesus. Why? Because he called you. John 6, 44 said he has to call you for you even realize this. So you get to praise Jesus, the fact that it wasn't even of your own will that you did this. It is the will of God. Most people try so hard to be good. Stop it. That's why you're not successful in the kingdom of God because you're trying. Stop trying. Start trusting. Start believing. It's by God's grace. The gift of grace is not only for your salvation, but for your discipleship as well. That's where we hit a stop sign in the faith, and you turn. <laughs> we, 
we like getting saved and we like getting baptized, but bless God, discipleship means now I'm going to start carving away at the activities of my old man that is dead, but I'm still walking in this flesh. So I begin to carve away. Are you listening to me? I'm carving away. And as a, as a result, now the more of Jesus can shine through me. But until I carve away at that stuff, and that's where we get to the stop sign and go, you mean I'm going to have to do what? You don't have to do anything. It's been done for you. It's the perception that you have to get to a place where you can receive that revelation. That's why you struggle so much with, with habits and, and things that you go, I can never quit that. You're right. I'm not going to argue with you. You can't. You can't. Quit arguing with yourself. Quit trying. If you're a son of God, you have the power within you to do so. Release it. That's all you have to do. Receive the perception of the revelation. Learning and applying the ways of sonship can only come through grace. The grace of God is the power of God given in you and the Holy Ghost. It, it transforms and gives you a transition in you and then through you for the influence of others. This is where the resurrection power of God breaks through and reveals the will of God. This is where it all happens. A conclusion. There has to be a conclusion, but in the faith, the real conclusion is it's an ongoing journey until we see him face to face. But I want you to, I want you to know something. You're not going to be successful with you trying harder. It just doesn't work. That's why so many people give up in the faith. They just can't perceive. Well, you know, the Bible says you got to do this, you got to do this, but here's the key you have to know. It's like having that great automobile and everybody rides by and says, man, how many miles you got on it? None. Boy, it looks like it's waxed every day. It is. It looks like you've never had a foot in that thing. I haven't. But it's a great looking car. I know. But it's not used. Do you understand? That's what usually happens to us until we, the key has to be in the ignition, as is the Holy Ghost, you have to understand, is your key to getting this all accomplished. It's not you that has to accomplish it. And when he said it was finished on the cross, it's already been accomplished. You just have to learn to grasp. Whereas I'm going to try harder. I'm going to quit running around with these people. I'm going to quit doing this. I know you're not going to quit any of it. You can't. Why? You tried. Some of you in here trying so hard, you're almost out of, there, out of here anyway. Listen to me. I didn't have to eliminate anything in my life it is, and still don't. It's already been eliminated. I just have to keep walking through the doors of elimination. Then I quit all that trying. John 5, 19. Did we just read that? No, we didn't. John 5, 19. Read that for me. Conclusion, how could Jesus do what he did? All he did was do what he saw. He perceived truth, so he saw truth and he followed truth. He did truth. That's all we have to do. You say, well, how can we do that? Well, he's our brother, isn't he? He's not only our savior, but he's our brother. We're a small son. He's the son, but the truth is he's showing us how to perceive the father. And as a result, we implement what we perceive. The confusion of Christianity in the church is amazing, isn't it? As the world cries for political correctness, we demand spiritual self-regulation. 
I didn't know there was a few of you understand that. You must be living it right now. Because I do. I live this. You have to understand, when I preach and pray, when I'm doing this, I, I'm, I know who I'm doing it to first. See, we're all screaming for political correctness. That's what the world does, but you don't understand what the church is saying. I want spiritual self-regulation. We don't even want God telling us what to do, and he's the author and of our faith. In other words, we seem to have a special ear to hear God, even if it's against his word. <laughs> John fourteen thirty one says this. I love this. Are you listening to me? The world must learn. Okay, now put you in there. It's talking about you. The world must learn that who do you love? What are we waiting on? Are we trying to convince everybody that we have the right to make sure that everybody knows we like this and we like that and we hate this and we hate that and, and we'll accept this but we won't accept whatever it may be when in reality you don't have any of those kind of rights. You have a right to only do what the world must know. The world must learn that I love the Father through Jesus Christ. That's what they must learn. That's what, that's, that's what the world must see for them to believe there's a Savior. How can they believe there's a Savior if we can't teach them that? Is that what they see in your life? I love the Father. Can you imagine if the world could see this many people right here love the Father, this little town would have been changed a long time ago. Now, I'm not saying it's not changing. It is. But I love what he says. I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. And then you know what he says in the last statement? Look what he says. Come now, let us leave. Now, do you think that's in there for nothing? That could be a sermon all by itself. Come now, let us leave. But I can't spend time there. It's not my sermon today, but I love it. He's sitting there talking to him. The world must learn, learn that I love the Father. And at the very end of it, he says, now come now, let us leave. Why do you think he said that? Why did he say, come now, let us leave? Huh? The world has to That's what the Father said. The Father said, it's time to leave. Okay, boys, let's go. I love it. See, most of us read that and go, he just said, come now, let us leave. No, he didn't. He said, come now, let us leave because he loves the Father. And when the Father speaks, he's saying, I act. God, that's good to me. He tells them and he shows them. Because if he just tells you and you don't live it out, what is it good for anybody? He, He tells them, here's what I'm trying to teach you guys. And I want you to teach the world. Come now, let us leave. What's wrong with, what are we leaving for? Did you just hear me? That's what he wants to tell them. He used to tell them, you bunch of bimbos, listen, I told you, you can say anything you want to say as long as it agrees with the Father. We can, we can calm the storm. We can raise the dead. We can heal the sick. We can, you understand what I'm saying? Come now, he says, let us leave. Some of you need to leave. I don't mean the church. <laughs> Boy, I didn't, there'll be nobody here tomorrow. Next Sunday, I'll be going, okay. You're preaching to you. Who are you preaching to? I'm preaching to you. (laughs) It's not what I'm talking about. 
But some of us need to leave some situations. Some of us need to leave some mental attitudes that we're in that are not God. No matter what you say, they're not God. You can't find them in Scripture. These are two great scriptures that are foundational for each disciple. To see and then to hear. Say that with me. To see and then to hear. I wonder what are we using as filters to hear and see what only benefits our style of Christianity. Say our style. style. What style you carry? I'm going to preach good today. I just want you to listen to me. Try to stay awake. If you stayed up too late last night, slap yourself. If you'll take Dramamine, you won't get... Uh, when, I, when, I, when I get into your area of Christianity, you won't get stomach sick, but it'll keep you awake too. There's a certain kind of dram me that really keeps you awake. And you won't get seasick when, or sin sick, whichever one it is. I'm just teasing. Don't get mad. I'll never go back again. He called me a sinner. Oh. If, I guess if the... Never mind. Number one, here's the first style of Christianity. There is a seemeth style. This is really common for most people. A seemeth. You know... Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. A seemeth style. Well, it seems right to me. Well, it feels right to me. Well, I don't know about y'all. You know, it's that lines up by the world. It's that plumb line. Yeah, yeah, see, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's okay. How many seemeths are there in? No, don't raise your hand. See, if you don't have the Word of God in you, you're not led by the Holy Ghost, you're a seemeth Christian. It's your style. I mean, you walk that way. You talk that way. And the sad thing is you make other disciples like that. Well, if it seems good, if it feels good, well, that seems right. Well, you know, just looking on the outside, that appears right. Huh? Isn't that right? Seemeth. Huh. There's another style, number two. There's a shipwreck style. <laughs> That's nobody in here. My God. 1 Timothy 1, 18 and 19. Timothy, my son, I give you the instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you may fight the good fight. Holding on to faith and a good conscience, some have rejected and so have shipwrecked their faith. That's just looking at the Bible and saying, I don't think so. It's a shipwrecked faith. There's lots of shipwrecked faith. Most of those really don't come to church. I see them out in the community and try to talk to them a little bit, but they're so far above me. I'm telling you, when I talk anything about Christianity, they start to inject some things, and I'm telling you, if it, maybe they are more, maybe they're way more spiritual than me, but I can't hear a word they're saying. And I'm not saying it's their fault. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I'm not spiritual enough to hear them, but you know what I'm saying? It sounds like to me that a ship's been wrecked. And they're trying to convince me it's still floating and going in the right direction. Are y'all listening? God, you know what I mean? Those are these styles. There's that Seamus style. You know those kind. They usually come to church from time to time because it seems the right thing to do. And then there's the shipwreck style that are always trying to convince you they're not shipwrecked. Come on, get off me. Everybody does this. I'm a Christian. You think you're perfect. Come on, somebody. That's what they say about that, that shipwreck style when you start to try to, start to, try to help their ship back on, get back on the waters and you want to repair it. And they go, you just think you're better than everybody else, don't you? I love that. What do you mean do I think I'm better than anybody else? I barely even think I'm good enough to stand here. What are you talking I'm not good enough. It's the God in me that's good enough. Then there's the bewitch style. Voodoo. 
<laughs> Don't laugh. Voodoo's a real thing. It's just witchcraft. Any kind of thing that you put before God is idolatry, so it could be considered that. But we think it's somebody doing seances and all that crazy stuff. We Americans are so sometimes just so foolish in the way we believe and think. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I told you. Voodoo. Somebody bewitched you. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? See, they were vacillating in on what they were doing and what they had received because they thought doing it, you had to, if you received it, you still had to do it, but they knowing that nobody can do it, so they didn't know if they received it. Y'all get all that? Do you understand all that? That's the way people do. They're so intimidated that the fact that they don't have to do it because it's the grace of God's going to do it in you and through you that they have to continually be built on this idea. Well, I just don't know what to do, so I'm not going to do anything. And they don't even know that they're being bewitched. It's just a bewitching style of Christianity. They can't help it. You can seemeth. There's a shipwreck style. And then there's this Bewitched. A lot of things are like that in life. You'd believe, you would not believe if we really got down and talked to each, everybody had their say about what was said about Christianity and what you believe in the scripture. You wouldn't believe how much voodoo would come out of this stuff. Well, there was one time that they said that I drank chicken, chicken blood on the stage up here in this church. It wasn't chicken's blood. It wasn't any blood. I'm just teasing. <laughs> Make sure some of y'all know I'm not in the. When you go to Africa, they still put that little straw, little sharp stick in a cow's neck, and they literally drink that blood. I've been given that opportunity and have turned it down. <laughs> I ain't getting bewitched like that. <laughs> Coming up here acting all weird, you know what I'm saying? You've been drinking that blood again. <laughs> I ain't going to say what else I can do, you know, just leave that alone. The bewit- but, you know, there's so much of that stuff that you don't understand that we allow in and it mixes with our faith and we don't even think it taints it, but it does. And it drives us absolutely nuts and we can't figure out how it's got there, but it's because we believe what somebody has said. That's why I'm kind of not critical, but I'm, I'm really cautious about Christian TV. I'm not telling you don't watch it. I mean, I think it's better than the horror movies and pornography, and, but some of it is so confusing, you have to be careful of what you're letting into your spirit. I'm not saying all of them are bad, but I'm not saying all of them know what they're saying just because they're on TV. And then number four, there's the ignorant style. That's, I say, that's not us. Boy, not many people said it. Help me, Jesus. Did I hit it? You know what the ignorant means, don't you? You know what it means? You're just not knowledgeable of the fact. You haven't spent time studying the truth. It's not a cut down. You're just ignorant. Little kids are ignorant. Now, little kids can see the truth better than a lot of people. They really can. Adults, they don't have too much garbage in their head. So they can see the truth. But because they don't know something, it's not because they're stupid. It's because nobody's taught them. That's called ignorant. There's an ignorant style of Christianity. 
After you get born again, there's a certain amount of knowledge you, you, you ascertain immediately. So when somebody says, well, I really don't know if that adultery was right or wrong. No, you're lying. You understand? There's an immediate amount of knowledge that you have right now as soon as you get born again. But as, as you develop into discipleship and you begin to learn, then there's things that you may not know, but as you develop that, the Spirit of God, you give Him the freedom to do what He needs to do. You stay in your Word and you just get involved in the faith completely. You begin to, to see and, and doors are open to you and you're not, you don't struggle so much in trying to hang on to your old life because the old man is dead. It's just the flesh that keeps screaming, you can't leave. It's the truth. Adam's dead in the hammer. When you get born again, but your flesh goes, where do you think you're going? And you go, I don't know. Did I make you mad? I'll come back. <laughs> what were we going to do tonight? You know. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You know what we're going to do. We're going to, even though you're born again, I'll let you be born again, but I'll crush your influence. I know, but I can't stop doing that. I know you can't. I've already told you you can't. Quit trying. <laughs> Start trusting. The ignorant style, 2 Peter 3, 16, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking of them, these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort. And they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Now think about that. Sometimes we, I, I agree, there is stuff. How many of y'all read Romans? How many of y'all have read Romans a million times? I've read Romans a million times. And it is still a challenging book. I mean it. I think the whole Bible is written so deep that, that it just keeps me drawn to it because it's so deep. I just want to know more. I just want to know more. And I've been into Romans now for about three months. I'm not reading any other book but Romans, Romans, Romans. I want God to show me Romans. I'm not going anywhere until he shows me Romans. And I don't know what he's going to have to carve away, but by God, yes, I know a lot of it, but all of it, I don't think anybody ever knows all of Romans. That's how deep that it's written in. The ignorant style. The problem with ignorance is it runs rampant in people that don't want to know the truth. Because you think if you don't know the truth, then what I'm doing is not wrong. There's an intuitiveness that the Spirit gives you that you know right and wrong. Number five, the influential style. Matthew 23, 15. Woe unto you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Say, that's not us. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. When he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. And there's Christianity like that. Christianity, we want people to do this and do that. Listen to me, I have... I care about what you do, and I pray for you. I do, but I'm not chasing you down to figure out what you're doing right or wrong. If God can't control you, do you think I'm not even going to spend an ounce of effort? It's prayer that changes things. And I tell you what, that's what many of you had never figured out about prayer. You think we just meet on seven o'clock Sunday afternoon, uh, Sunday night, on um, Monday night, so we can just you know, they just don't have anything else to do, really? Really and truthfully, I don't have anything better to do than that. And you don't understand about court. You say, well, I prayed by myself. I know, but you don't understand how the Bible teaches what corporate prayer does. There's some of these people that in Acts would have never got out of the prison. They'd be beheaded and, we'd, and they'd never write their books. 
but somebody got together in a prayer meeting and prayed. Some of you are so afraid that God might reveal, reveal something to you in a corporate prayer meeting. That's why you don't pray. It's important to pray corporately. There's power in corporate prayer. Why? The Bible says there is. That's why we do it. That's why we're called a body. We're a body. Come on, somebody. We're a body. That's what we are. And when one of us is not cooperating with the other part and the part that you've been called to be, we limp around looking like, well, they're not very powerful over there. Listen, a church is no more powerful than its prayer meeting. Hmm. I don't know if there's any amens on that one, but <laughs> maybe oh me. See, I just don't want to have church. I want God to show up. Not just here, but everywhere y'all go. Why? Because y'all are there. I hear about you being somewhere. I don't have to worry about you doing anything crazy. Why? I know God showed up. Why? You came. You changed the influence. You changed the atmosphere. You changed the fragrance. People saw somebody that didn't need to do all that crazy stuff. They saw somebody being led by God, not judging. You know, I go somewhere and I don't do what everybody else does. I'm not sitting there going, are you kidding me? I'm just sitting back and going, thank God I've been delivered. Because I know what it is not to be delivered. Come on, somebody. Huh? There are just five. These are just five of the common methods of self-regulation forms of Christianity. There's many more we could have come up with. When self is in control, our opinions matter most. I'll tell you what I think. Don't. I hate to tell you, but you're proving one of these five for sure. Don't tell me what you think. Tell me what the Bible says, and then we can talk about what we know. When we start thinking... <laughs> I want to give you a piece of my mind. You know that story. Our opinions become our fortitude of defense that even supersedes Scripture. Well, in my opinion, Cheney, you got to watch Cheney. She gets these opinions. You got to watch her. Y'all don't know Cheney. She tries to talk to me about her opinions. To mature on purpose, listen to me. To mature on purpose, I want you to get this, in the faith, you must have strategy. You have strategy everywhere else, don't you? You have strategy for your job, you have strategy for no matter what it may be. If you're going to build something, you have to have strategy for it. If you're going to go on a trip, uh, hopefully if you don't have map, oh, not map quest anymore, I'm sorry, I'm way old. That's all right, I never needed that anyway because I am a GPS Come on, man. Help me out. There we go. But the men laughing. What are you laughing at me for? It's the truth, ain't it? I'll run out of gas before I'll stop mad somebody anything. And if I can't figure out it on the phone, it don't matter. Come on, man. Help me. I will find that place no matter what. My wife says, why don't you just pull over and ask somebody? I wouldn't dare degrade myself here we go pride I know it y'all are going to get on me pride 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 <laughs> to mature on purpose in the faith you must have strategy you have to have strategy do you have some strategy today 
See, some of y'all I watch and I see things, I just, I just know you've not progressed because you don't have a strategy. Now, you have a strategy for your everyday life, which is going nowhere, and you're used to going nowhere. You listen to me. I like new stuff. Am I the only one who likes new stuff? I like new stuff. I like getting stuff. I mean, I'm going to tell you the truth. Somebody today gave me a nice knife. They really did. Gave me a knife. I don't have it right now, but gave me a nice knife. That was really nice of them. I didn't even ask for it. It'd be weird me going up. Leroy, you give me a good knife. <laughs> one time Leroy gave me a hat. I didn't ask him for it. He just gave me one. But I like getting stuff. Don't go ahead and get it. I don't do none of that. I'm just saying, like, really, I like getting stuff for my, I like buying it for myself because I know if I get it for myself, I get what I want. Right. All men are like that, aren't we? People come giving you stuff. God bless their heart. But sometimes you're saying, am I a two-year-old? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Or you give him, give me something that a man's going to use. Rod and reel, pocket knife. Men love knives. I mean, you know, we love knives. We don't even care. I got so many knives, I don't even know what to do with them. A half of them, I don't even know where they are. But it's like I just sometimes look at them and go, wow. I hadn't seen that knife in a while. I wonder where that came from. I'll find them in places. I'll put them in places. Somebody told me the other day I was wearing a little sissy knife up here. This guy here, who he thinks he is. See, that's what you got to put up with when you're a pastor. I, think I couldn't even get mad at him. He said, you had a little sissy knife on, don't you? I said, I was 18 once. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> don't forget, we all were 18. Amen. I must acknowledge and aggressively eliminate areas that are controlled by my flesh, if you're going to operate in the spirit. The carnality of Christianity is an, epide- is, an epi- is an epidemic proportions as we speak. You don't have to worry about all the diseases, just worry about carnality in the faith. Our compromise and rationale for such make way for our flesh to, con- to control. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two- double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing in soul and spirit, joints and merit, judges of thoughts and attitude of the heart, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Say that with me. Now, do you just read that or do you get that? Nothing. That's pretty scary. I just thank God the blood of Jesus covers me everywhere I go. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. The Word of God is living and active and producing, and developing. That's what that means. All that means. It's living. That means it's active, and producing, and developing. That's what it means. Producing sons of God, and developing the kingdom of God in them and through them. To do this, it must have the ability to divide. Therefore, it is sharper than a natural double-edged sword. It even divides the spirit and soul. So you have to understand all the parts that you are, and I'm not going to go through that right now. The carnality of the believer when the spirit and soul mix is that we cannot tell the difference between who is leading us. When our flesh and our spirit or our flesh and our soul mix all together, we can't tell who's leading anymore. Is it my spirit man? Is it my flesh? Is it just my soul? I, I don't even know what's going on because we don't know the difference of any of it. It even has the assignment of dividing the joints and marrow. Everything is exposed in front of God in a spiritual sense. Everything. 
This means our intent, say intent, intent. our motive, motive, and our purpose. purpose. Can I say break it down for you? That's breaking it down for you. That's what he does. Nothing is left unseen and unknown to God. As much as I want to sometimes say, oh, me, it's just the truth. That's just the truth. No matter what you try to imply to somebody, no matter what, how you try to deceive, no matter what your motives are that look like, well, it's really this, but it's really that, God knows everything that you're up to. There is no doubt a young believer must grow out of the flesh into the spiritual. It does take longer for some, but if after several years of progression has not been made, then our lives still have not been exchanged for the resurrection life given by Christ. Pastor Kobe said Jesus rose again today too. And tomorrow, even though it's not Easter Sunday, the resurrection power is still valuable to anybody that's born again. And it's even more powerful to those of you that are born again. See, as we progress, we're like fine wine. We're just getting stronger. We're just getting more creative because we have the creative power of God. Our fragrance is stronger, but it's not, it, it, it's not like that clanging symbol anymore, like it says in Corinthians, but it's a fragrance that draws. It doesn't drive away. As we get older in the faith, it's not that we sit back and do nothing. The truth is we're doing everything God has told us to do, but we don't even have to do it. We're just following suit by the grace of God. Yes, they may have been saved, but the carnal life which manifests whatever desires they withhold from the Spirit of God. What are the characteristics of the fleshly? One, staying in the stroller too long. These are really good. Don't you hear this? I'm almost done, which means nothing. <laughs> staying in the stroller too long, therefore having to have a diaper change longer after they should be potty trained. That's not, say, that's not us. Well, it may be the way y'all are struggling here. <laughs> Two, cannot absorb spiritual teaching, therefore always defending their feelings and how they see it. Three, jealousy and strife are prevalent, therefore pulling others down to raise yourself up. These are carnal Christians. That's not us. We don't, we're not doing this. Four, to behave like ordinary men, therefore not a God-conscious, but a self-consciousness. That's just immature Christians. I'm not saying you're not born again. People say, well, that's good enough. That's all I want to be. Okay. Well, just how many are you going to drive away from the kingdom of God instead of pull to? Romans 8.13 says this. That's a heck of a scripture, isn't it? That's an easy to read version, but I like it. If you use your lives to do what your sinful selves want, you will die spiritually. Didn't say, it did not say you're losing your salvation. It's just you're going to look like a deformed Christian. That's all it is. But if you use your, the Spirit's help to stop doing the wrong things you do with your body, you will have true life. So we go from a life of carnality which is not eternal life, all we have to do is follow the Spirit and we start living eternity now. That's what that means. That's all we have to do. Learning to allow the Spirit to lead is the challenge. This demands practice. It is coming in confrontation with your flesh and demanding the way of the Holy Ghost. Isn't it difficult 
Some of you will leave here today and go, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stop that. I'm through with that. And the real issue is you are going to do it again. Why? Because you're the one in control still. Until you get to a place that you acknowledge you're not in control any longer except to submit to the Spirit of God, then you win. That's how you win. The way you feel, interpret, or just ignore the Word of God is how we justify our immaturity in the Lord. God loves you, but are you letting Him lead you? He loves you. Remember, we never argue about his love. He loves you. But are you letting him lead you? God loves you and his yoke is easy. Last scripture for this morning. James 3.17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality. Do you see that last part? Without what? That's my goal. Without hypocrisy. Without putting on a mask, depending on the crowd I'm in. Without believing or without going to the buffet in the, in the, the, the scripture line and only choosing what scriptures that I think that I'm going to choose for today. It's gonna, I'm going to act like this today because I know where I'm going to be. That one, I don't have, I'm not picking that up because that's going to, That's going to hinder my carnality without hypocrisy. That's a good one, isn't it? That's all I, when I I did that scripture, that's all I could see without hypocrisy. Did you get something today? Against all odds, Jesus overcame the flesh. He cried out, it's finished. It wasn't just finished because he was dying it's finished for everything that's coming against you the victory is yours it's finished the, th- the, the times that you say that you can't quit you can't stop I don't know what's going to happen let me tell you it's only the deception of the enemy lying to you and convincing you that it's impossible and like I started the sermon with today in and of yourself it's impossible but with God all things are possible there's nothing that you're in that's, that if it's not God that you can't get delivered from. And there's nothing that's headed your way that you can't have a solution for. It's just time to grow up in the faith. There's a world crying and groaning to see Christians, real sons of God. Is that you today? I mean, everywhere I go, I just don't, I don't care if people ever remember me. I just want to know, did they remember the Jesus that I brought with me? I don't want people to think I judge them. I don't want people to think I'm looking down on them. I don't want people to think anything because I know I can't change anybody. I struggle with even changing myself. But I know that God can change me. And it's the battle of that the carnality of that natural man that wants to intervene and go, but you know, everybody else thinks you're going to look. You know, really, I don't care what everybody else thinks. I have to get to that place. And I don't mean that ugly. Are you listening to me? I don't mean that ugly. I do care what people think, but I have to be concerned that what Christ thinks is the most important thing and how I, how I 
allow that to live out in and through me is so important that I don't drive a young Christian away. You understand? Or I don't drive an unbeliever away and go, well, who's that dude, man? He is really out there. I'll share one short story with you and we'll be done. I was in Israel uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago. No, it was a year ago. And there was this Jewish guy that was leading a bunch of Americans kind of on a tour. And he came up to me and he started blasting me with the gospel. I mean, wearing me out. Blah, 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 about Jesus. And, and uh, since I know a small amount of scripture, I did say some things to him that kind of halted him in his tracks because I was trying to teach him very nicely. It's not being that aggressive and loud and accusatory that's going to win people to Jesus, especially the Jews. I know. I've been over there many times. You don't win people like that in Jerusalem. I mean, that's, that's not how I want my faith to be. I want to be loud in the faith, but I want it to be such a loudness that it overcomes the world, but it comes over to where people are and that I can minister to them and bring them into the kingdom. That's the way I want my faith to be lived. I want it to have compassion. I want people to know I love them. I want people to know that I've been where they are. And I want people to know being immature in the faith, there's no reason to stop the faith. It's just time to stay in there, persevere, ask God, and he'll show you. Just keep asking him. I don't care if you're still in the middle of habits and all that. Just keep saying, I want to know God. I want to know God. I want to know God. Please help me, God. I promise you, he's going to come through. Won't he, D-boy? Won't he come through? You know, don't you? He's a guy who used to think too much. There's some thinkers in here too. You think too much. You think all this stuff, and if you can't work it all out, then you're not going to get this Christianity thing. You're right. You think too much. You can't think too much. You can't think too much. Quit thinking what you don't know. Find out, first of all, Jesus is Lord. He died on a cross. He was raised from the dead. He loves you. You repent of your sins. You ask him to be your Lord and Savior. You're exactly right. As Americans, we don't like doing that. We don't like asking. We're so prideful. We want him just to give it to us. Well, you have to ask. You have to receive. Believe it or not, the Bible says repent. What does repent mean? Tell him I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing, but I can't stop doing it without you. People always say, repent. Okay, I'm not going to do that again. That's a lie. I know I'm going to do it again, right? But with the grace of God, I can, I can overcome that. So I repent by the grace of God. And I ask him every day to give me that grace to continue on, to live a life that's pleasing to him, but also draws others. I want to draw everybody. I don't want to push him away because, you know, he just, he don't want to touch anything. No, I want to be right in the middle of the craziness. I do. And I don't want to look like a weirdo in the middle of that. I don't. But I want to be, allow God to be different in the middle of that. You follow what I'm saying? I don't have to worry about being different. The God in me is going to be different. I'm just going to be listening. Conclusion. Against all odds, you can win. Against all odds, if you won't give up because the enemy keeps, that's his job. That's his job. But he has no answer for this. 
He has no answer. What does he say when you say but the blood of Jesus? He has no answer. None. You win every time. If you're not born again, you're not sure you'd go to heaven. I'm not going to give a big altar call today. I'll be standing right here after the service is over. And if you want somebody to pray with you to receive Jesus, the greatest thing you'll ever do in your life, I promise. Because for till I was 28, I really did what I thought was the greatest. Matt, you remember being a fool. Just being, I thought it was the greatest, being a fool. And then I got saved. How long have y'all been married now? Just what, a couple of days ago? Yesterday, 17 years of marriage, and nobody gave their marriage two months. Stand up. Give them a hand clap. Turn around and let them look at you. There's so many people in here you don't even know the history of. Some of you do. If you knew the history of everybody in here, listen, we have all been a bunch of busted up, no count, good for nothing until Jesus came on the scene. Isn't that right? Everybody in here. And now we all look prim and proper. Marty would say, I don't know if Marty's here today. Marty always tells me when I wear this, you're wearing a blouse today, aren't you? I wear them little jeans. I got a little design on the back. Marty says something about them too. I love Marty, but he always tells me if you ain't wearing, you know, if you ain't wearing just Wranglers, by God, and you're wearing it, but you look cute up there with that blouse on today. Marty. I love you, man. <laughs> I do. I mean that. I love all of you. I really do. I love every one of you. You're not defeated unless you give up. If you want to meet Jesus, I'll be up here after the service. Would you stand, link arms, and let's pray. Hallelujah. Come here, Kendall. Lead us in a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day and um, just letting us hear a good word, God. We wouldn't be anywhere without you. And um, please let us sink this in, God. Please let us um, soak this all in and not let it leave us. And please let us teach this to our children and um, just hold it together as a family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a Jesus day. Give the Lord a hand clap.